0: It's Andra Zaharia, and I'm grateful you chose to be my partner in Cyber Empathy today. Journey with me through the lives and minds of people who prioritize connection, curiosity, and kindness in everything they do. Let's find out together how empathy cultivates hope, how it builds resilience, and helps us see how our actions influence others. It's time to unlearn stereotypes and see beyond technology to discover what truly makes our world safer. I'll help you carry over these insights and examples into your everyday practice. Promise. Let's go exploring, shall we? The need for empathy is extremely visible in the way people are evolving their relationship with their work. What we see now is a clear departure from the cold. It's just business approach. It's really not just business. And it's not only young people who want to change. This is one of the topics I touched on with Molly McLean-Sterling in a spirited conversation that left me energized and really optimistic about the changemakers in our community. Molly studied musical theater, and while pursuing a career as an actress, took a small detour that turned into a thriving career in cybersecurity. She told me how she got over 100,000 people in 150 countries to take an interest in cybersecurity education, and how she helped them bring that into their lives at work and at home. I also learned why she replaced the term security awareness with security empowerment and how she created a shared experience for her colleagues on topics related to cybersecurity. Now, this episode is sprinkled with stories of failure, which are stories of growth and successful milestones that give Molly fuel for her ambitious plans and perhaps for ours as well. There are plenty of examples for you to draw inspiration from, and I can't wait you to meet and learn about Molly. So let's just dive right into it. Molly, thank you so much for being a guest on the Cyber Empathy Podcast and for making the time to share with us many many of your lessons and your experiences in what is an amazing career and journey so far.
1: Well thank you so much, That's an absolute pleasure to be here.
0: So as I was following you on LinkedIn and I, as, as I was diving deeper into your work and, and the type of, of message and education you bring forward, One thing that really stood out for me, and this is a message that I've seen you kind of integrate over and over, is that as hard as we try, we can't do it alone. What does that mean for you? And how has that influenced how you do the work that you do and perhaps, you know, even your life outside of work? For sure. It means
1: breaking down silos within your organization, starting within your security organization, so your colleagues, making sure that you're partnering in any way that you can and supporting each other, not fighting for credit, just having a, a healthy culture starting at home and then growing it out from there. And then expanding that to your IT colleagues, to your business colleagues, that cyber criminals are well-educated, well-informed, well-funded. They're there in masses. And so we really can't afford to be trying to do it alone. We, we need everyone in the organization to be a part of it and and to be accountable. And you have to get them there with empathy, which is why I love your podcast and and the message that that you send too. When I saw Cyber Empathy, I thought, wow, whoa, whoa, this is like exactly what's been in my brain. I'm so fascinated for somebody that focuses on this totally. So it's awesome. Again, thanks for having me here. <laughs>
0: Thank you. And yeah, this this is one of the things that you and a couple of other people that I follow do constantly. You create this shared vocabulary. You give physicality to some abstract ideas that perhaps people are thinking of, but they don't know how to express. They don't know how to go about it. Because I feel there's still somewhere in the corner of this industry, perhaps not exactly in the corner, but there's still this kind of misconception that the IT or the security specialist is this misunderstood figure. This, this person who has so much wisdom and knowledge, which they do, but they're kind of like the loner type, both physically, but also emotionally removed from the rest of the company. Is that, in your experience, still true and if it is to to what extent because I feel that we're carrying over this stereotype with us and it's not doing us any good.
1: You know I think a lot of that is tied to folks that are really really skilled technically and a lot of times have an engineering background so it isn't necessarily specific to security. It can be engineering all over the board that kind of have that perception of being experts being frustrated when other people you know question their methods or things like that and i i don't necessarily think that that's true i think that there's a a very wide range of people and personalities and skill sets and weaknesses too of things that people want to work on in every space so yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily stick that with just security
0: that is true, and, and one of the things that you do in your work is that you bring together all of these people the business people, uh, the engineers, the security people, people from all kinds of teams. How did you start to do that? What does that really look like in a day-to-day scenario, in a very practical way? Because it sounds like such a lofty goal. It sounds like such a big project that it can feel a bit overwhelming. So what does that look like like? In real life.
1: That's a great question. And I have learned from the best. So I have to give credit to, you know, my leadership team and and my colleagues that I've seen and and been able to model their behavior as well. But it starts with listening. And that seems so silly and simple to talk about, but just going to your stakeholders and letting them talk and letting them get things off of their chest without kind of battling and and trying to prove them wrong or, or push your own agenda, it really is shaping the message. So that it fits into their goals and they can see that they can accomplish the things that they want to accomplish. And so can we ultimately, you know, I think for anybody that's listening, that's sort of not on board with the whole empathy piece and and it's just business and wants to be a little bit more cut and dry, using empathy in your methodology and in your day-to-day gives you what you want. So ultimately, if you want to get what you want and you want to accomplish those things that you have in your lofty goals use this. This this will get you there. So it's not just kind of like a touchy-feely nice thing to have. It moves the business forward.
0: Thank you for pointing that out because yes, I still get that a lot. And I think we're still going to get that a lot for a long time when we talk about emotional maturity and emotional development and all of those things that seem like you should be doing in your private life, not in your professional life, which is so absurd to consider them separate thankfully i see younger generations not carry this very strange very kind of why is it here division with them which is something that i really really appreciate i just wanted to mention a couple of your achievements because i think that there are so just the scale of the work that you do now is is just huge to me and and just being able to orchestrate all of these things together being able to do like 200 campaigns a year, being able to you know achieve this this huge level of involvement throughout the organization, just making sure that also everyone who works in a hybrid workplace is on board and feels connected to this, and especially putting together your global security ambassadors program, which is really something that I want to find out more about. How did that start, and how did that make you feel differently about the work that you do?
1: It's near and dear to my heart. So I'm very much somebody that likes to experiment and just give it a try. I, thankfully, because I'm in the environment that I'm in, and I've had the leadership that I've had allows me to try things and fail a little bit. I would definitely say the first few years of me doing the ambassador awareness program failed. Like we still did them, but... When I look back, I'm like, oh, man, those were rough. That was not providing that much value. But of course, it grew, you know, and it it matured as we went along. We kept at it and we kept going back to, okay, what didn't work there? How can we tweak it? How can we make it better? Where can we bring the value? And there was a really big turning point for us in one year where we had some, some folks that sort of would try to sort of steal the stage when we would be doing our calls and, and they'd try to be pushing their own agenda about something completely other than security and kind of arguing with our CISO and, and some of the calls. And it was just like, whoa, we, we got to rein this in. What's going on it happened to be around the time of the pandemic as well. And so I told my team, go out to social media, go out to YouTube, watch every video that you possibly can on anything. Doesn't have to like, don't watch any security videos. So we watched things on makeup tutorials, on how to change the oil in your car, on how to cook pasta, whatever it was, to try and just spark some of that creativity. And the team came back to me with the idea that we would drop episodes. And so there's these interactive videos, essentially, that they're creating and episodes that creating once a month so that we can really be time zone inclusive. I mean, we have a, a folks in 150 countries, 100,000 people, and so... Asking people to wake up at three in the morning to do a call is ridiculous. So this is great because they can come in at any time that they want. There's interactive challenges, there's scavenger hunts, there's tips and tricks they can take home to bring to their family. So they learn about things at Medtronic and then they also learn about things that they can bring home. And it's in bite size chunks. And then the other just amazing thing that I learned through the process is the power of social proof. So we have a Teams channel, sounds basic, but once people started using it and commenting and talking and sharing of all the ways that they either got scammed or avoided a scam or avoided something and helped their family, then it just snowballed. It was amazing. And so that is a really rich community. And I think the ambassadors took hold of that and kind of made it what it was. I mean, we gave them brought them, you know, the the dish, and then they got in there and really spiced it up for us. So it was pretty cool.
0: What do they all have in common? Because again, just like you mentioned, 150 countries, people with all sorts of backgrounds and experiences. What's one thing that you've seen that really brings them together as a group? And is that the thing that made them resonate with cybersecurity and the values and principles behind it? Yeah, I think that
1: I'm so fortunate to work for a company that has a very strong mission. And so we are we're very mission-focused, very much about the patients and, and improving people's lives and their health. And so the idea that we can work to protect the mission, protect the people, is a big driver for a lot of people and why people stay at Medtronic. And then that other driver of, can I take that home? Can I go protect my family, my loved ones, my neighbors, my friends, myself, from this kind of big confusing thing that can be really scary. So there's a very large difference in their skill level and, and their knowledge about security, which is really cool to see that people that are just learning about phishing and people that can you know, code like magic that, and, and have it be secure, everybody's in there together because they have this drive to be secure.
0: I love this. And I love that it creates a common and shared experience this shared experience the sense of camaraderie this the sense of we have this thing in common this i feel like this is such a fundamental thing to human nature it's so rewarding and it's so memorable in such a positive way that it changes people's perception towards security from something negative, anxiety-inducing, coercive, to something that feels empowering, that makes us feel stronger and more more self-reliant and just more comfortable in the world, I guess. Lately,
1: I've been sort of wishing that instead of security awareness, it was called security empowerment because I just really feel like once you get to that place, it is so cool to see the power that people hold And then to share and how it grows. That's a reason to get out of bed in the morning.
0: I love that. And you should definitely write about that or just create something about that. I think that that would be, (laughs) again, it's giving people the words. Just like, for instance, I don't know, going to therapy really helped me improve my emotional vocabulary. Security can help us improve our vocabulary with concepts that maybe felt foreign or too abstract or just not for us. And it, it can start to break down those limiting beliefs and just like you mentioned, maybe give us a hint of other things that we might do that perhaps we didn't think we were quite capable of.
1: When we think about these abstract concepts and bringing them into reality and, and making them practical practical and doable, little things can make a big difference. So it's not like you have to change your whole program or change your whole way of life if you want to go this route. There are certain ways that you could just... We, I think one of the first conversations that we talked, we talked about the line I have on the bottom of my email that says, we all work in different time zones. If you're getting this message outside of your normal work hours, I don't expect you to respond. A lot of us have those at, at Medtronic just working in a global company. If there's something really urgent, I'll pick up the phone and I'll call you. So little stuff like that, just changing the, the tone of an email that you write to be less authoritarian and more in a partnership fashion can make a really huge difference. Those are tangible things um, that can improve empathy.
0: It really does. And you have a lot of experience with coaching people at all stages of of their development. What's the, let's say, the most difficult category to, to coach? I don't think category is a proper word, but what was the most challenging role that you've had to interact with in this way? Gosh,
1: that's a great question. Different roles or different backgrounds present different challenges. I don't think one is more challenging than the next, but probably the at a high level, the biggest challenge is those that are seeing us as a barrier. We can't just come in and start talking about solutions or figuring out what's going to drive the business. We have to build that foundational trust first. And so that's, it's not necessarily challenging, but it's just takes more time. Trust takes time. And when you're talking about terms, I, I, There's another one that I use, trust debt. So there's tons of talk about technical debt and not updating your systems and you kind of like leaving it, you know, you're not investing in it. Trust debt, I would say is the same, just as important, same thing. You need to invest in your relationships and take that time to nurture those relationships. And and then you're not going to have a ton of work to do when it's really time to get something done. You already have that good, healthy foundation.
0: And what most people object to when it comes to trust or empathy or, again, things that are very relationship and emotion focused is that it's not scalable. How did you manage to scale it? Because you managed to. You and your team and your colleagues, you've managed to scale this. So what does scale mean in, in this realm of building security culture?
1: i Certainly don't think we're perfect. We ha- always will have work to do and more people to bring into the fold. But I, I think just having the consistency with how you speak so that in your communications, in your emails, in your IMs, in your presentations, in your meetings, that you're having that that consistency of approachable language, that you're approachable, that you're leading with empathy and those types of things. If you can be consistent through all of those, I think it spreads naturally. And then others start to see the benefit and then they start doing it. It's just, again, that social proof piece, because yeah, it's, it's when there's a hundred thousand people to convince of something, it can be hard, but it's so much easier to do it that way than it is to try and force somebody. I kind of joke that with the ambassador, before the ambassador program, we were force feeding people after the ambassador program, they're coming back for seconds. So it's like when you start doing that, they'll start coming to you and you don't have to work as hard.
0: I really, really love that. I love the, the, again, the mental image, just putting this in terms that are so relatable and that are so evocative. I feel like that helps a lot. It helps people visualize things. It helps them feel like, oh yeah, I know this territory. This is a space where I can grow and explore and, and be curious about Given that your background, I've seen people in security culture roles that come from communications background and HR background. However, you first started in this company as an IT analyst. And I was really curious to to understand what was kind of the inflection point that led you to take on like to use your skills and your experience on, on this path. And perhaps if there's any kind of particular experience that led to that.
1: Funny enough, my first experience with this company was actually picking parts in the warehouse. So I have a musical theater degree. I was an actress after college. And in between acting gigs, you do temp jobs. You're doing anything basically to make sure that you can survive. And so I randomly got this temp job picking parts in the warehouse that helped me get attempt job in the office and then the office led to an IT analyst and that you know just kind of snowballed and, and went from there. So I've always had this creative background and I am not necessarily afraid of a challenge. I was musical theater major coming into IT and they taught me how to code and you know all that kind of stuff. So I think that always asking for more and asking what else can I learn or what else can I do helped propel my career. And finding my niche of what are things that other people don't want to do that I could do I'm strong at. If that's creating a training, if that's helping create a process that's easier for stakeholders or something like that, that's where you can kind of go in and and bring your value. And then the other fun and super challenging part, at least when I first started doing security, was being that translator, taking the really technical speak and translating it to a so that myself, so that I would understand it. And I and I think that was a skill that wasn't necessarily present within our group. And that ended up bringing a lot of value because people started understanding why we were doing what we were doing.
0: One of the things that I love about cybersecurity is just the diversity and background and the flexibility that people have. Flexibility that's related to the growth mindset, but just to explore things, this curiosity that never stops and that doesn't stop at the boundaries of this field it it goes it overflows <laughs> uh, beyond its borders one of the things that i'm i'm really curious to find out is how have you seen people have those awareness self-awareness moments as you're changing the language as you're changing the tone of voice as you're changing the energy that's in the room when you talk about security, because what I've seen in bits and pieces from my experience is that people kind of start to think about their own behavior more when they engage with this thought process, with this exploration. Have you seen something similar happen to, to your colleagues?
1: Oh, yeah. There's certain people that are early adopters, so they'll, they'll go in and, and start using that language right away. They might have already been using it. They'll just be a little bit louder about it in terms of sharing their experiences with others. I think for those people, again, just people seeing how successful they are that they're able to accomplish things that they want to accomplish. They're able to, that one person, you know, that just never seems to like security and always like comes down on us, they're able to have a decent conversation with them um, because of that, you know, the way that they're they're saying yes and instead of no, you can't. And I want to be clear too, having empathy, establishing trust doesn't mean you can't disagree with people. You can disagree. You can still push, you know, for for what you want. It's just in how you shape the message. You can still be passionate. It it definitely isn't like going in and coddling someone, but it's just taking the time to look at things from their perspective and being respectful enough to shape the message so that it helps them.
0: It's not people pleasing, it's respect and it's creating that space. Yeah, I, I love that. I really, really love that. And I love how you carried besides the yes and kind of tactic, which If you have a minute, I love it. If you could explain it to people who perhaps haven't come across it, what other techniques from acting have you carried over from your background to this role? Yeah. Yes. And is an
1: improv game uh, or it's it's a tactic in improv. So when you're doing an improv game and somebody's creating a, a new world, you can't disagree with the world. You have to just say yes. And, and then you kind of shape the thing. So if it's, somebody says, you're an octopus. Yes, I'm an octopus. And I'm going to squiggle over here. I don't know. This is the weirdest (laughs) example ever (laughs) in a cybersecurity
0: conversation. (laughs) I'm going to listen back to this and be like, what was I talking about? You might have seen a book cover with a purple squid that is about OSINT that you might have seen and I have read. So maybe it was
1: that. (laughs) Maybe I got that. Yeah. But
0: essentially, it's it's when somebody
1: comes to you with with something they want to do, like a project in security, you're not just saying, no, you can't do that. You're saying, yes, you can do that. And um, you'll need to do this penetration test. And you'll need to then mitigate the risks that are here. And we can help you on that journey. So it's just trying to be, a, instead of like, now that's never going to work. And you're I know you're never going to pay for the penetration test. And I know that you're not going to mitigate the things like that. It's... it's let them figure out if they want to and invest the money and, and mitigate the risk and take the time. Some other things from acting. I think that you have to have thick skin when you're an actor. Um, you're constantly auditioning and you can't take things personally. And so if somebody is mad about something that they have to do within security, they're like I have to take this training or you're making me do this or this is messing up my work, don't take it personally. Um, take the emotion out of it and realize that it's it's not really about you, it's uh, about what that person is experiencing.
0: And just getting to know that experience because diving into that experience then creates the setup for for empathy and helps us just understand what things are about and not just get stuck on our own agenda and pattern of thinking and just our kind of automation systems, the automation systems inside our head, which can be really powerful unless someone manages to kind of snap you out of it just a little bit.
1: And I would say too, all the things that I'm talking about are lifelong things. There are definitely times where I'm like, uh, I'm taking that personally. Ooh, I got to take some emotion out of this. It's not a destination you know, that you're going to get to where you're like magically, perfectly empathetic and, and can handle all things. <laughs> you know, it's always going to be that refining journey over your entire life. I don't know. I think that's it, fun and interesting and, and presents a challenge, energizes me rather than depletes
0: me. And I love that spirit. And I feel like there's a lot of self-compassion in that as well. And having this idea that this is a skill like many others that we can nurture, that we can cultivate and that we're not inherently the masters of. And just having these high expectations of ourselves that I should be able to do this, I should be able to do that, that we transfer that to other people as well. So when we become a bit more self empathetic, we're able to do that with other people as well because we know it feels good and it actually helps us instead of putting us down.
1: Yeah, <laughs> as yeah. maybe you can we so can accomplish so do. much more.
0: Definitely as your role of director of global security culture, what does that role entail? Because again, it sounds so big. <laughs> it sounds like it's such a huge responsibility. What does it look like in, in practice for people who might want to start building towards that? Because being head of security culture is, I feel, a role that's still emerging. And many people don't know that it's a thing. Don't, they don't know how to access it. They don't know how to prepare for it or just to how to ask for more responsibilities in this direction, if that's something they want to, a place they want to be in someday.
1: So it started with security awareness. I started as a team of one and slowly got more people, got more people. Then we grew to include metrics and analytics. So a, a like a core function across our global security office instead of having all these separate instances of metrics. Every every group still owns their own metrics, but we're kind of that that main one where everything floats up into. And then the third piece that we grew was into stakeholder engagement. And that piece is really interesting because we had probably four years ago, we had a, a, not a great reputation within our company that people didn't like working with us. We had some really rough comments in the annual you know, survey that said, wow, the global security office is the worst and we don't like working with them and all those things. And my CISO was masterful with this is that he didn't push back against it. He put everything in a slide and went to his colleagues and said, okay, this is what y'all think of us. We're gonna address this. And it's not to say that we necessarily agreed with the perception of us, but we were gonna address the perception of us. And so then he came to me and said, we're gonna create a stakeholder engagement group. You're gonna report to me on my leadership team you have to help figure out what this means. We're going to start with listening sessions. Go to all the IT leaders and just start having conversations with them. So I did, and I, I just let them vent. I started the started the meeting with this is a half an hour where you get to just vent and I'm not going to fight against you. And kind of, you know, some people would laugh and sort of be like, what? Like this is not what we're used to. And when I would start to hear common pain points, then I would bring it back to the security leadership team and say, these are kind of some of the things I'm hearing. Maybe we can address a few of these. And so then our team would work on a few process improvements to try and um, address some of those things. Again, this is that time when we really started changing our messaging using yes and, and that wasn't me driving it. It was like everyone within the the security office realizing that we can get more done if we start tweaking um, our delivery and our messaging. Yeah, and then it was just sort of, one day after a SAMS conference, I was looking at the journey of, of how we grew. And I was like, ah, this is security culture. We're, we're at the point of security culture now. We've grown. And so I went and talked to my CISO about it. And I said, I think we're past awareness. We're past engagement. We're into culture where we want to embed ourselves in the day-to-day. People are coming to us to work with us. So can we do that? And he said, yeah, let's let's do it. I like that message. I like that that." Thought process. And here we are.
0: That is so energizing. It's so energizing that you can see this results and that perseverance pays off. And that just like you mentioned at the beginning, being heard, being listened to is so deeply therapeutic, honestly. It it just feels like a therapy session that finally you feel like someone's Really listening to you and giving you the space to just express what you need to get off your chest
1: <laughs> it was it, it was really funny to go through those those conversations. I also should say too as we grew, we got more resources so I certainly can't do all the things that I do with a team of one I have a I have a team of eight one of the ways that is really beneficial that I would recommend people taking a look at is seeing if you can take talent from your IT support center. So that's where a ton of my folks have come from, where they were doing just calls, calls, calls all day. They're hungry to get out of that environment and try something new. And they have incredible knowledge of um, all groups across the company because they speak to everyone. They can handle high pressure situations. And a lot of them are really ready to learn. I have been very fortunate with having some incredible talent Diamonds in the rough that have been able to come out of of that area.
0: That's so nice to listen to, and that's so nice to hear. And that's something that you often hear from people with experience. Like, hey, look at people in this, you know, in this group, and and listen to them, give them a chance. And seeing the success that you've had with this, I I feel like that's really, really encouraging. To again, try to look for people. That do not fit the regular resume kind of thing that that's usually such a a barrier in in cybersecurity recruitment and such a big issue in the industry.
1: If a musical theater major can do security, anybody can do security. You just have to give them time and attention. And trust. And trust, (laughs) yeah. Definitely trust. Bring somebody along the, along the journey. I know that's not right for every single role. You need to have some people coming in that, you know, are, and hit the ground running and be super technical. And that that's definitely needed and great. But there are so many, there's so much space in cybersecurity for so many different types of people and so many different types of skill sets. And I think if anybody takes anything from from this episode, I hope that's what they hear is that there's space for everyone.
0: How do we make space? Like what are the are there any kind of preconditions to create this space? Because you said obviously leadership. I mean, that that's what shapes a company. The decisions, the way they communicate decisions, the way that they present themselves, the investments they make, the people they advocate for and they support and promote, and so on and so forth. If you're a change maker inside a company and let's say you have the support of your manager. But leadership is still kind of in a different, (laughs) in a different mind space, in a different headspace. How do you reach them? How do you start making security work in their advantage and turn it from not just an expense, but turn it into an investment and a growth lever for the company even?
1: Right. I think you have to figure out how you can show that security can be a differentiator for your company. How does it set your company apart from your competitors? how can it help you gain market share? I think the other thing that if you're having a really hard time with your leadership, kind of investing in in what you're talking about, not necessarily monetarily, but either way, you know, mentally or monetarily, bring in outside experts. Uh, they will say the exact same thing as you, but the, the leadership might hear it completely different because it's somebody from the outside saying it. So if you can engage um, speakers, like the FBI will very willingly come in and speak to a lot of big corporations. You can you know, hire a, a consulting group to do a security assessment to give you a grade and show where, where your strengths and weaknesses are. That is really helpful. Um, and then doing that over time to show how you've improved. So those are just some of the, the simple ways, I think. Not necessarily simple, but those are some of the basic things that you probably want to do if you're trying to influence at the very top.
0: And they still work. I feel like these are things that perhaps we all know and that work in other areas of the business, but perhaps that people haven't tried directly with security or just haven't stuck to them for long enough. Just like you mentioned, perseverance and consistency, such big things, such such hugely important things to just keep track of. And one of the things that's especially impressive about your career is that you've been with this company for almost 16 years, which is absolutely amazing. How big of an advantage is it to have this continuity? What has that been like for you? And kind of, can you imagine what would have happened if you had switched roles or just had a different, let's say, journey? I think that there's benefits
1: and there's downsides to it, you know, so uh, not necessarily downsides, there's benefits to both. There's benefits to working in a number of different companies because then you can experience a number of different challenges in a number of different environments. I think there's benefits to staying in a company for a long time because you really start to learn the culture. Um, You know, the culture like the back of your hand and that plays so much into influence and motivation with security. So I think anybody that's starting in a new role has a bit of that challenge of just figuring out what the culture is and getting their feet under them and then being able to make a change. Whereas, um, you know, it does, it's not necessarily who you know, because there's turnover throughout the years. But it's just a matter of how things work and and knowing the general sort of appetite for growth and and security mindset within the company.
0: Given that... You've been here, you've seen people come and go, you've seen so many things change and evolve. What do you want to explore further? What do you feel is, is still something that you want to, a challenge that you want to address? Mm,
1: great question. How long do we have? <laughs> I, I'm hungry. I, I love learning. I love trying new things. I have found this beautiful marriage between cybersecurity and theater that I really love talking about security. I love talking about security culture. So the more that I can do that on the bigger stage, the better uh, is something that I want to continue to explore because I think I learned so much each time I put together a talk and then I hear the comments afterwards of somebody saying like that totally wouldn't work in my environment. I'm like, Oh man. Okay. Tell me about it. That's something I didn't know. That's a light bulb moment for me, you know? So that is definitely for anybody listening and out there. It's <laughs> <that's> definitely <laughs> something I'm interested to. I love that kind of, I, I don't really like the term evangelist, but I love the the evangelist type of work um, within security culture.
0: And you certainly have not just the experience, but also the energy and the uh, even the, the, you know even the background to to do all of this and more and i can't wait to be uh you know first row at one of your talks in the future <laughs> that is going to happen <laughs> to kind of round us up this conversation which again has it it has so many it's i, I see it like such a big puzzle that's really working so well together that Everything just, you know, you've helped to see things from different angles, but see how they make this this entire work whole and how this work actually makes you whole, which is really awesome to, to see. What's something that's particularly, let's say, special to you about this job, whether it's a value that you want to continue to uphold or to inspire people with or, or a principle that leads you or just the way it makes you feel about yourself? That's really important in our work.
1: I think the idea that it applies to everyone. Everyone deserves to be secure. And if we can have one small part in making people feel empowered and feel safe in their lives, we do spend a great deal of time with technology. And even in the physical world, we have physical security under our, um, our domain too within our company. So if we can help somebody feel more empowered, feel safe, feel secure. What a blessing to be able to do that.
0: It really is. And such a generous act too. Thank you so, so much for everything that you've shared and for everything that you post and for everything that you're talking about and will talk about on stages. Hopefully, bigger and bigger. It's been such a pleasure, and it's you've energized me so so much. And I bet that that's going to happen for every listener that goes through this episode and and gives themselves the time to soak in your enthusiasm and just everything that you've shared. So thank you so much for that.
1: Well, likewise, I mean, you you are the ultimate cup filler. Um, you you know <laughs> you have all of us overflowing up with joy when we come and speak to you and, and listen to you. So. Uh, please keep up the amazing work that you're doing as well.
0: I appreciate that so, so much. Hey, congrats. You made it until the end of this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And if you wanna get the show notes and see the transcript and get other resources, head on over to cyberempathy.org. You'll find all of the episodes there and resources to help you have a more comfortable relationship with technology and security. Also, if you want to contact me, all my details are on there and I'll see you soon. Bye.